0: Okay, Um, I'm going to make a few remarks, uh, a little bit more about uh, me and my wife, and then my wife is going to bring a message that is God's placed on her heart. Um, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, in a suburb of Los Angeles called San Pedro. Um, All of us who are natives there, we don't say San Pedro, we say San Pedro, that's the way it's pronounced. Um, I was raised in a Norwegian Lutheran Church, which meant that I honestly grew up thinking the Holy Land was Minnesota. Because that's where the Lutheran pastors came from. I mean, really, it was it was later on. I realized, oh, it's Israel. So it, it, yeah, that was a new one on me. Um, uh, Paul and Karen both mentioned uh, that um, my wife and I were in the music team with them. Uh, when I was a boy, I would get solos because I was the loud kid, and I don't really need a microphone. I assure you. <clears throat> um, there's something else that God put on my heart that I I just felt God wanted me to say. And that is that um, in this group of people here, I have certain connections. So, for example, I met Costas for the first time yesterday, and I've met his grandfather in San Pedro. I knew his father a oh, long yeah. time ago. I don't think I met your dad before you got married, though. But uh, Kathy once coached me in tennis, really improved my game. And that was when I was 30. I mean, <laughs> praise God yeah. for that. See, my wife was very oh, self-serving in that because my wife loves <laughs> tennis. She wants me to play. So she yeah. arranged the money yeah. so I could take I, lessons uh, to improve yeah. my game. <laughs> I don't remember that. But <laughs> yeah. And if we had time, I'd chat with all of you. We'd find out we know people in common. Yeah. And I love to say that the kingdom of God is actually a small town. That you start poking around and you bump into somebody who you knows somebody you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, regarding that, um, part of my story is that when I was uh, almost 24 years old, I was in a prayer meeting. And I heard a woman give a testimony about serving the Lord in another nation, and something inside me switched on. That's the way I describe it. Something inside of me switched on that I didn't know was there, and I knew from that time on that God wanted me to prepare to serve him in a nation other than the United States. Uh, originally thought I might go to Eastern Asia, and then, uh, but God took his time, my goodness. And the reason I say this is that shortly after that prayer meeting, within a couple of months, I was seeking God, I expected God to speak to me, and God said, if you really want to serve me, then go back to California, Mm -hmm. because at the time I was living in the Midwest, go back to California, he said three things, one, return to your parents' home, Mm -hmm. I wasn't looking forward to that, but return Mm -hmm. to your parents' home, rejoin the church, and teach in the school. Mm -hmm. And I did that, I acted in obedience, and the Lord gradually, made it so that I got married, and after we were married, then we began to move toward uh, the mission field. To my amazement, I had lived in San Pedro 12 years as a boy, and I ended up living there 12 years as an adult. And I didn't think I was going to be there 12 years. But by being planted in one place, God, through people, did more deep-level work in my life. And I believe the Lord wants me to say to some of you, that for some of you you need to get planted and you need to be rooted and you need to be close enough to people for an extended length of time so that you can be in friendships where you get annoyed or bothered where you chafe with each other and then you sort it out because those kinds of long-term relationships you go from bothering each other to loving each other and just as an example of that my wife and I belong to a mission agency That uh, We have a team that is based in Johannesburg, South Africa, that we were part of many years before two years ago we moved to Zimbabwe. And on that team, there's a guy about my age, very honest, uh, very talented, and he just bugs me. (laughs) And I realize the more I'm around him, he's not the problem. Okay? It's me. God wants to do things in me, so God put this guy next to me for years at a time to address things in me. And so I, you know, changed my attitude. And when I am able to be with this guy, I go and spend time with him. And, you know, we kind of struggle to really meet in the middle. But the Lord does great things in my life as a result of that. And I, uh, so I wanted to start out by talking about connections and say that when you stay connected for a while, the Lord uses the people around you regarding those rough edges, regarding different ways to express God's love. And so I would encourage, I don't know who you are, I don't know which of you are meant to be attached to each other long-term as friends, uh, maybe more than friends. I mean, I look at the Alex family and realize they've decided to be more than friends with the Andersons and do it again. So I don't know if that's an iron sharpens iron relationship, but uh, it could be. Okay, now um, my wife is going to come and make some remarks about uh, a particular biblical theme that the Lord has put on her heart. Um, I... And I'm just going to stop there. Okay, Sarah, come on up. <laughs> have to know when to be quiet, right? Yeah. yeah. I just need time to put the Okay, the podium. Okay, hold that you one. Can I, can use I can just need
1: time to
0: put stuff on. on. I can't yeah.
1: hold Here. Yeah. Sure. I'll take the clothes, and then you can do okay. it. Okay. Um, That's good. I so. so before I get into my into my remarks, um, I thought that... Uh, I might just uh, send around um, you just a, a prayer card of ours in case any of you um, decide that you'd like to pray for us and partner with yeah. us. Um, I thought maybe I should do it before I talk because uh, maybe after I talk you won't feel the same way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Explain about the three Oh, Okay, so we... Um, so if anybody wants these, I'm going to give these to her and she'll just pass them along you're going to
1: find that there are three strangers on the photograph, correct. and those three strangers are our three sons. <laughs> and two of them live in South Africa. They are students down there, 23 and 21. And our youngest is 16. He's currently in California because he's homeschooling. With and Paul's nephew? Yeah, with Paul's nephew, yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> because it's a whole lot easier to homeschool in one place as opposed to be jumping from one city to another, as yeah. Jay and I are currently doing in uh, connecting with people, Sharing about what God is doing in other parts of the of the world and encouraging you to get on board with what God is doing. Tell me about Graham. So. The, oh, Graham. WBR, yeah. So. yeah, yeah, Graham. Okay, so Graham is uh, 21 year old. He is um, he just finished his undergraduate degree. He's in between um, that and going on. You know, uh, he's doing honors year this year. So um, he and his older brother Thomas are serious ultimate players. Everybody plays. Who plays ultimate here? Ultimate frisbee? Do you go by? Yeah. Okay. And in yeah. South Africa, it's ultimate. It's called uh, ultimate, but anyway, ultimate frisbee. And uh, for those of you who are ultimate players, you will be very excited to know that it has been accepted as an Olympic sport. Yeah. And it just wow. needs to qualify now. So my sons are incredibly busy trying to get Africa sorted out so that it can qualify for the Olympics. And they're both serious about joining, getting being at the Olympics. And as part of that, um, Graham, our 21-year-old, is uh, playing for South Africa in the World Championships in London in about three weeks' time. So, yeah, I'm pretty pissed. (laughs) We did actually start them on a career in tennis. They spent a lot of money (laughs) in tennis. And then they left home and they took up ultimate. (laughs) But they love it, absolutely love it. So, um, we love our boys, they are wonderful, wonderful guys. I wish you could meet them, I wish they were speaking and not me, so, but I'm here. And um, I find it very interesting, some of the words that have been spoken, we've talked about connection, and I and I think the word that I have, the, the word I'm going to bring, this, this is very much um, a, a, a key element of what it means to be connected. Um, You know, I was um, having a quiet time a few days ago, and as I was was praying, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for millennials, and it was weight, based on Romans 12, that we are to, um, you know, no longer to carry the weight, you know. Let us, uh, what is the word, Romans 12, you know, yeah, no, yeah, but it says to uh, throw off the weights that so easily, you know, and and the sin that so easily entraps us, and I feel like there is, uh, sorry? No, I know where it is. I just wanted you to give me the worst because my husband is so good at just yeah. <laughs> saying it off the top of his head. But what <laughs> I do feel is that you do carry weight and you have, you're you carrying weights that God is, really doesn't want you to carry. And you really need to let go of that. Okay? Um, and I, and that was what the worship leader, sorry, you he, he were talking about. You talked about weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it's, you know, broken relationships or whether it just be um, anxiety um, or, um, you know, trying to get a job or the future or whatever it is. Um, Naomi and I had a had a, a conversation this morning and uh, we talked about the fact that um, we have to let go and let God. And, and you need to let go of those weights. You need to let go and, and trust that God will carry you. God will do it. I can give you so many stories that give me the faith and the confidence to stand here today and say, He is faithful and He will do it. So, one of the, what I'm going to share today may be your weight, but you need to let go of, you need to release. But in Zimbabwe, one of the uh, things that is very apparent is that our leadership is weak. Because of the history of the nation, and I don't have time to go into that, and the very recent history of Zimbabwe, there was nobody there who could mentor, teach, coach, train leaders. So we have leaders who have something of a vacuum in their lives when it comes to having been discipled or groomed. And what God made on my heart was not that I needed to come in and tell people how they could improve their leadership. There are a lot of resources out there that people can access. What he did say was, I need you to go in and I need you to grow leaders. Um, A good friend, a a man I, I respect highly, he works in this area, has a saying that the heart of the leader is the soul of his leadership. And so if we really, really want to grow godly leaders... We need to deal with the heart. We need to, that whole thing about character, that whole thing about knowing who we are in Christ. Um, If we want godly leaders, we really need people to be rooted and grounded in Jesus. So it's not about the leadership. If you're a leader, you look to see if you've got any followers, right? If there's nobody following you, you're obviously not a leader, right? And leadership is about influencing people. It's not about managing people, all right? It's about... Influencing people. It's about helping people go deeper and further in the kingdom or deeper and further in their work or deeper and further in their relationships. Influencing people. And so I realized that in Zimbabwe we had this huge vacuum and the leaders we had were incredibly vulnerable. And I started praying and God gave me a message that I want to share with you today on the orphan spirit. Statistically, they say that statistically, 28% of children in the world do not live with their biological father. Only one out of ten of them are likely to get A's in school. They're twice as likely to drop out. Three out of four adolescent suicides are linked to people who do not know their fathers. 90% of runaways, 75% of adolescent patients in chemical dependency programs, and 85% of the youth who are in prison. That's the world, world statistics. It's not just here, it's not just Zimbabwe. We have a real problem. You can see that God never intended us to be fatherless. But many, many people, Struggle with this. And in Zimbabwe, people are fatherless for two predominant reasons. One is HIV AIDS, which has absolutely devastated our country. When I was in, uh, with YOM, I would come and I would stay with friends who were, he was a missionary doctor in the bush in Zimbabwe, and I would say to him in the early, I think the late, well, probably the, mid, the mid-80s, so tell me a bit about HIV AIDS here. I said, oh, not a problem. Next visit, tell me about HIV-AIDS. He said, yeah, well, uh, you know, I, yeah, we do have some people. The blood work's taken to the local town, and they're more aware of the statistics, but it is a problem. Next time I came, he had a whole wing of his hospital dedicated to HIV-AIDS. The fourth time I went, he said, we have a problem. The chiefs have come to us, and they said, what do we do? In our culture, when a parent dies, the uncle or the aunt automatically assumes responsibility for the children. The uncles and the aunts aren't there and for the first time we're dealing with orphans that's not very long ago but that became such a prevalent thing the second thing that has stolen fathers and parents from our culture is the devastation of the country when you have 80 or 90 percent unemployment and you're a parent How do you put food on the table for your children? What are you going to do? You do whatever it takes. And that often means leaving them behind Mm. and going to the Middle East to try and make money. Going to England, going to South Africa. Jay and I have met with so many people who are waiters and wait, well, predominantly waitresses in South Africa who are from Zimbabwe. Mm. And you start asking them about their lives Mm and you say, you know, are you married? No. But I have kids. Oh, how old is your child? Oh, my child's 18 months old. Oh, where is your child? Oh, my child is in Zimbabwe. Oh, when was the last time you saw your child? Oh, when they were three months old. Why are you here, why are they here? Well, if if I'm not here, I, I can't send any money home, and my mother can't feed my children. We have a problem in Zimbabwe, but we're not unique. And so, I want you now to engage with me, okay? This is not me preaching at you. we have got to engage in this. So I've got questions and I really need you to help me answer them. Firstly, I want us all to think of being, what it's like to be an orphan. Tell me, what are characteristics of an orphan? How does an orphan feel? Afraid. Afraid. Alone. Alone? Angry. Rejected. Rejected. They don't trust anyone. Don't trust anyone. Identity confusion. Yeah? Boy, that was quick. We yeah. sort of yeah. able to pain. come up with a few. And that was off the top of our heads.
0: Pain.
1: Go pain. down a bit deeper. Yeah. What else do you come up Emotional with? Emotional pain. Emotional pain. Yeah. Lots yeah. Of yeah. Fear. Yeah. yeah. Lots of fear. Okay. No sense of the future. Right.
0: How,
1: how, how right. They say that orphans... Um, are taken up with two predominant things: a, a sense of vindication and survival. Now, survival is very understandable. Nobody else is going to take care of me. I've got to take care of number one. All right. I don't know where the next meal is going to come from, so I'm going to hoard anything and everything I get to myself because nobody's going to, nobody else is going to do it. Vindication. I'm going to show you that I can, that I'm strong enough. I don't need you. I can do it. I can show you that I'm good enough. Okay? You can see these things. But I love this. An orphan is consumed by issues of position, power, performance, passions, possessions, and protection. They need to protect themselves. They hoard possessions to themselves. Um, they're very performance-driven. They're looking for power because, you know, control of their lives. So if, this is, if these are characteristics of an orphan, there's my next question to you. How do they relate to other people around them? What do their relationships look like? What do you think? Competitive. Competitive.
0: Results
1: driven. Results driven.
0: Manipulative.
1: Manipulative. Very much so. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, mild yeah. voice, exactly. And close heart at the same time. Yep. That's right. Okay. Okay. They intentionally sabotage because they're sure that you're not you're this, you know, they're so no used to being abandoned. They intentionally sabotage Yes. Good. Yes. That's, that's what's mild That's right. That's right. Mm. that's right. That's right. That's right. So, Let's take this a step further. How does an orphan heart manifest itself in a church, or in a congregation, or in a faith community? How do people relate within the church? What is the tendency? Okay, they may want attention. So, performance orientation, perhaps, driven to perform. They need to succeed. Um, there's mistrust towards others because they fear they may be punished. They feel and, and, and why? Because they fear that they're going to be rejected. So they must compensate by working hard and performing well to be recognized. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one of them. Okay, another, another quality or another characteristic of um, an orphan spirit, an orphan heart within the church or within the way people relate to people in the church but relate to the community of the church. Let's say that the church is people, right? It's
0: hard hey. to come to unity
1: right. if they're competing, right. if they're competing with each other, so you wouldn't feel a sense of community or fellowship. Right, that's right. You don't want to release or relinquish. Just as you said, I surrender all. Hard to surrender all if, you know, nobody's going to take care of me so I'm not willing to surrender all to you because I've got to keep, I've got to stay safe.
0: All right. okay. They
1: pastor themselves as victims, Okay. because all these things have happened to me, it's your job to perfect me take care of me. Right, so it's yeah. me orientation, yeah. very much a me orientation. So it's not an others orientation, but it's a me orientation. Yeah. yep, yeah. very much. The need for significance. Okay, attention, satisfaction in others' weaknesses. Others' strengths are seen as competition. And so they hide their limitations, but there's low (coughs) self-esteem, competition. All right? Okay? We talked about alienation and independence. Withdrawal physically or emotionally. Unable to put down roots in a congregation, and they change churches often. Why? Are you talking about millennials? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you go. I said that this is a worldwide problem. And you see, we are all being transformed from glory to glory into Jesus. We all have characteristics in us that are still of an orphan spirit, because we've not grasped the love of the Father in that area of our lives. For some reason, we may have been wounded in a particular area by an event, by a person, by a by a situation. And so that area, we're like, I've got to stay, I'm going to, you know, I've got to hang on to that area because nobody else was there for me. And you don't let it go and say, Father, I'm not a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a son. I'm a child. How yeah. about yeah. 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 one, ber- no, yeah. one
0: ber- uh, needs? <laughs> Right? And they're struggling to find food every single day. Right. What, how can they reconcile that? God, you're taking care mm-hmm. of me. I mean, you yeah. know?
1: That's right. And you oh. know what? You would be so humbled by people in, 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 in Africa. Jay and I once asked our woman of peace in a community in which we were working Tell us, the Bible says that when you come to Jesus, you will have life and you will have that abundantly. What does abundant life mean to you? And she said, at night, when I go to bed, if I know that not only did I have food in my pot tonight, but my neighbor had food in their pot tonight, that is abundant life. And I go to heart, go to sleep okay. soon.
0: How, how do you reconcile that? I mean,
1: we can't. We're not there. called to. I am not called to reconcile that. God the Father is called to reconcile that. Because... It's adoption into the family of God. And then it's a matter of me allowing God to be God to them in ways that far surpass any idea that I might understand. And it is tough. It seems like the orphan spirit manifests differently in the Western culture than in what you're I agree wholeheartedly. Because there's been the birth of the humanistic everything.
0: i look at what they learned how to endure and overcome and build and the strong families they build versus the things that people in their 20s 30s now consider themselves so mortally wounded that they just can't overcome
1: right
0: there there's something else that got
1: laid in all these rights that were mine just because yeah. I was a person in theory is right, but in manifestation became such an entitlement culture yeah. that, yeah. you know, you wouldn't hear what you just said about that woman being said here. Yeah. You know, no I one didn't. would consider that. No, that's business. not a founder life. We, so, you know, that, I, I just think that orphan spirit looks different here. It does. It's self-absorption, but, you know, self-absorption um, reflects in different ways in different cultures. Right. Okay? So, so being self-absorbed means enough is never enough okay um so we draw attention to ourselves we're materialistic we're outspoken we're manipulative we use people we're always looking for something bigger and better why because we don't feel significant we feel like we're missing out we feel like god's overlooked us and this is true in africa in different ways but it's also true for you guys and the people that you're ministering to here in the twin cities all right and then there's the survivalist mentality of an orphan, all right, you control people and circumstances, they're law-driven, they're uncompromising, they re- they resent. there's lots of resentment, they're tight-fisted, they ward. Now, I teach on this in the context of leadership. I'm not even going to touch leaders. I'm just touching on how we relate as the body of Christ in this area. And so, you know, we've talked about how in, in, in the body of Christ, people can be uptight, they can be defensive. They can be driven to succeed. They um, can be project-oriented. They can be, you know, tight-fisted. All of these things are ways in which reveal that we are unable to really grasp the love of a... What it means to be a son and daughter. So, my question to you is what about your life as you relate to the church? um, You know, how do you see what your, you know what, how do you see yourself in the context of a community of faith a community of people who need to go deeper and further with Jesus are you scared do you feel like you're missing out do you feel like if if you if you if you really commit to this that whatever's happening over there is better and greater and therefore you know, can't be a part of that. Can't go do, so do that. And ah, I'm like, I might never get what they're getting. Instead of, you see, what we're doing is we're looking for stuff, we're looking for people. In Zimbabwe, people look for the apostle, the prophet, you know, and he's usually the apostle of the, the almighty, global, um, okay. holy church of the most high God. Okay? And they're like whoa gotta go there and then they're very excited about that and then suddenly it's like oh but prophet amos of the ultimate cr- church in jesus christ he, oh i got to go over here so people church hop yeah. okay because why they're looking to prophet amos they're looking to this apostle they're looking to what's happening there to meet their needs instead of going to jesus and that's what i want to just touch i want to bring us back to i want to bring us back to saying okay compare an orphan spirit to the spirit of a son. If you are... Okay, let me just run through this. I've got it here. I'm very excited, by the way. This is the first day I've been able to be truly you know you, no, you know, yeah, yeah, downloaded my message onto my Kindle, I'm very excited. Okay, so we said that a, a, um, an orphan struggles with perhaps insecurity and self-esteem. How does a son feel? What is if they're insecure? when they have a problem with insecurity, self-esteem? How would a son feel? What is the opposite? Identity. Identity. Security. Secure. Security. Secure. That's right. Love and acceptance. Wholeness. Confident. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. Strong foundation. Very cool. Right? Wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. Not anxious. Not anxious. That's right. So here's another one. Orphan serves to earn favor. Okay? What does the son do? Has favor. Has favor. That's right. And therefore, instead of serving to earn favor, they serve because of of favor. They serve from favor. Okay? I don't need to do anything to gain the love of the father. I am absolutely loved by the father right now. So there's nothing I can do to make him love me more. But because he loves me so much, I want to tell other people. I want other people to be set free, and therefore I serve from that, and that's why I get so excited giving this message. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's look at another one. Okay. Um, an orphan serves from a, it serves for significance. Sarah, put it. Oh. Okay. Can you hear me without it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. But you I probably you can't. can't okay. So um, a an orphan serves for um, an he is seeking significance recognition and affirmation what about a son he has those things already that's right everlasting love all right so therefore he has self-worth he's able to bless others next one. Fourth. an orphan has to work at self-preservation because there's no one else what about a son sorry There you go. If he knows the Father knows his needs, that's right. And therefore instead of grasping, he is, she is, Generous. giving, giving,
0: sorry?
1: Extending. Yeah? Extending. That's a lovely word. I love that. Because it gives, doesn't that give, it's not just, you know, generosity, you think sort of maybe in, in stuff or kind, but extending is a giving of yourself. I love that. Love that idea. Love that idea. Okay? Self-effort, self-promotion is the mind in the mind of the orphan. What about a son, a daughter?
0: This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased.
1: Right. That's right. Kingdom-minded. Okay? People who know their father have a destiny. Does God have a destiny for each of you? Does that excite you? Does he know why he has created you? Does he have a unique and distinct plan for your life? Sure, he does. That's really exciting. Last one we'll go through is uh, an orphan feels uh, um, the need to vindicate themselves, um, you know, and their survival and justice. What about a son or daughter in the house? They have someone to fight for them. Confidence. They understand mercy. They understand mercy. I understand mercy. Sorry? They feel, they feel great freedom. As I've taught on this, this teaching, and as people grasp this teaching, I have seen people set free in a way that's so beautiful. So how do we gain that freedom? For those of us who this morning have thought about things that have been said and go, boy, I identify with that. Or I recognize that that part of an orphan is something that I still struggle with. How do we break free of it? Well, firstly, who points us to the Father? Who reveals the Father? Jesus reveals the Father. How do we know more about how Jesus reveals the Father? Through the Holy Spirit as He brings revelation through the Word of God. Okay? So go through the Gospels and say, Holy Spirit, show me the Father through Jesus in the Gospels. You know? children unto me, for such a the kingdom. He's not, Jesus isn't looking for significance. Laying aside everything, he gave himself to the cross. He didn't have to vindicate himself. Knowing that he had, that all things were given to him. God was generous. He could do anything. And he said, greater things will you do, because I go to the Father. So Jesus points us to to who the Father is and the love of the Father and the character of the Father. So if you've never had an earthly father who has been able to reflect the father heart of God, I'm delighted that you come here because Pastor Paul and Karen have epitomized that for me for years. But look to Jesus. See how they reflect Jesus. See how the Word reflects Jesus as reflecting the Father. And critical to this, is the fact, is the cross. Because you see, it's not enough to take what we understand of the Father and just add it to who we are. We have to realize that we were darkness and now we are light. Why? Because we believe in the power of the cross. We were slaves, but now we are free because of the power of the cross. God says, no longer do I call you orphans, but you are sons and daughters. No longer do I call you orphans, but you are sons and daughters. Why? Because the cross is so radical. It is so powerful. Your sins were paid for. Your your shame was stripped from you. Jesus took it all upon himself, and he's saying, I did it all. You don't need to do anything more. If you can embrace the power of the cross and go, I am a new creation. I am no longer a sinner. I am a saint who occasionally sins. I am a saint, and I live from that position. You will find that you will begin to live in a position of incredible freedom. Incredible freedom. And so today, that's what I pray for you. Because I know that all of us have a destiny. And I know that God has called us all to be a part of the body of Christ. So we're all connected. And in order for God to do what God really wants to do on the face of this earth, we all need to step up to the plate and do that which we were created to be, nobody else can do it, And I can do that because I don't have to worry about myself or who, that I have to vindicate myself or whatever it is that is my weight, I can shed that weight. And I can step into this thing and say, Lord, it may not be easy, but if I do my part and other people do theirs, what is going to be unleashed is just in, is what the world is hungering and desperate for and desperate to see. And there's no reason why any one of us should hold on to an orphan heart. As we embrace the cross, God turns us inside out and He parents us. He reparents us. Would you let Father God? Reparent you today in areas of your life where you're broken because as you let them do it, you will just step out of bondage and into freedom, and you'll be able to go deeper and further with what God has for you.